let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Here's what DC's talking about. Pretty much everyone in DC is obsessed with finding a good place to live. Jamie Manning started her popular Instagram and newsletter, Exposed Brick, after she got obsessed with finding good deals on rentals on Craigslist. She shares her tips and tricks to navigating DC's rental market. Tuesday, March 21st. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. I'm here with Jamie Manning, founder of Exposed Brick. Jamie, I have seen some wild things in the DC rental market. I've seen back alleys listed as patios or closets being sold as extra bedrooms. What are some of the most ridiculous listings you've seen in the area? Yeah, no, I definitely think over the years of studying the market, definitions have definitely become much looser in terms of what qualifies as a bedroom, what qualifies as outdoor space. A new trend that I've started seeing a little bit more of is that developers or real estate agents marketing apartments with bedrooms that don't have windows. Ooh. And I'm just like, I don't know if I could do that. But I guess some people do. <laughs> yeah, pretty grim to be like, oh, you've got this lovely view of a plaster wall. <laughs> right. <laughs> what kind of feedback do you get on the listings that you post in your newsletter and, and on Instagram and on the website? Actually, I posted a condo that was for sale and it's a one bedroom condo, but it's technically a loft. So like the bedroom space is completely open to the area downstairs. So there was some feedback on that one being like, is this really a one bedroom? Like, can you call it this? But I feel like lofts like have always gotten away with that. They've always been able to say, oh, it's a one bedroom, even though it's completely open. Also in the city, I feel like a loft has a better connotation than Mm -hmm. a studio, like, oh, one big open space. If it's a loft, it maybe can get away with sounding kind of cool or artsy or something. Yes. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of true loft spaces in D.C. Like, I feel like in New York, they're a lot more popular, but it's hard to find a true loft space in D.C. Do you have a favorite listing that you've posted? Of all time. Of all time. Oh, my gosh. So this one just popped into my head. There is a development on Capitol Hill, and it used to be, I believe, a school, and they've converted it into condos. And there was a unit that was like a two-bedroom, I want to say maybe two summers ago. And I still think about it. So that is one that I still think about all the time, which is weird. So that was the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, what about it like sticks in your mind? It had so much exposed brick. Ooh. Yes. First of all, good branding. Wait, yes. What's the yes. name in there? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for exposed brick. It, it just <laughs> elevates any space. Yes. And it had just like beautiful tall ceilings, huge windows, like a really cool, just open layout. And so I still think about that unit. So the rental market in D.C. and and the buying market in D.C. Mm-hmm. is wild. It's like notorious for being wild. Personally, 
I've looked into buying or moving into a nicer place. And every time I do, I'm like, actually, I'm fine in my no frills, inexpensive apartment. What do you think makes D.C.'s rental market different from other cities? Or D.C.'s market in general, not just renting, just like the housing market in general. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's funny, like I'm so hyper focused on D.C. that sometimes it's hard for me to make comparisons because people will say like, oh, like how does this differ from like Virginia or Maryland? And to be honest, I have no idea. Like I have no idea what rents are like are in Virginia, what they're like in Maryland. Obviously, like I know that I think... New York and San Francisco, they're only other two like metropolitan areas that surpass DC in terms of how expensive things are. But yeah, DC, I think is also particularly interesting just because there's always so much turnover, you know, with like the administration changing and members coming and going from the Hill. I feel like there's always a lot of movement and a lot of movement at the same time. You know, it's like, when an administration ends, it's like a whole swath of people are looking to move. So it's just interesting that there are those, it's like truly very cyclical in that sense. Do you have any tips for folks who are looking at renting a new place or maybe even buying a place? Like, what do we need to know about this wild housing market that is DC? Yeah. So I can kind of walk you through how I've found every apartment that I've lived in, um, which I think will actually surprise people. I was the queen of Craigslist, self-proclaimed queen of Craigslist for a while, where I always looked at Craigslist trying to find an apartment. And that sense changed. I don't go on Craigslist as much. I mostly go on Zillow. And the point in me going on those sites is more to highlight diamonds in the rough or places that would be harder to find because they're usually, you know, condos owned by an individual landlord and they're marketing the properties themselves. So they don't have the huge marketing budgets that, you know, a big apartment building owned by a corporation would have. So I really like highlighting those types of properties, but I've never lived in one of those properties. I've never moved into a Craigslist gem that I found on my own. In terms of renting, I've always lived in big buildings, which I think would surprise a lot of people because I love the small sort of charming old buildings. But I did live in a large, charming building. But so the way that I've always found in apartments is first really honing in on neighborhood. I think that a lot of people get overwhelmed when they're like, oh, like maybe I want to live in Shaw. Maybe I want to be downtown, but I don't know. Noma sounds nice too. And then you just ended up, you end up with so much information. So I think the first step is definitely just to go ahead and really pick a tight radius for where you want to be. And then simply Googling buildings in the neighborhood. And, you know, some neighborhoods will have 20 plus buildings and looking at each of those websites one by one, which, you know, wouldn't take that long and really honing in on what building you like and then touring and seeing who has vacancies. Because I think the risk that you run, unless you really, really know the market, if you are like trying to do something through Zillow Craigslist is that you're less likely to figure out if something's a scam or not. You know, there's a lot of things that are too good to be true. And I think if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So that's something just to keep in mind. Yeah, when I was looking for a place, so many, of, especially on Craigslist, what's funny that you mentioned that specifically, so mm-hmm. many of the listings, I would like scroll every day and I would start to be like, this image is being reused. Like th- they can't have the same exact image in a one bedroom in Shaw and also a one bedroom in Columbia Heights, like something fishy is going on. Yes. No. And I'm glad that you mentioned looking every day because I think that's really the key too. Because when I 
go through the market weekly to do my like rental drops and then my roundup of the 10 best places for sale, everyone's like, oh my gosh, that must be so overwhelming. Like, how do you even go through it? But it's because I go through it on a weekly basis. And when I'm on Zillow looking at rentals, I make sure to put the filter on where it's only new properties, like properties that have been listed within the last seven days. Because I think that that helps minimize the amount of places you have to look at. And if there's a place that's been on the market for, you know, more than seven days, sometimes you have to think about, okay, like what's wrong with it? Or is it a place like you mentioned that's just been reposted a bunch of times? So that filter of limiting the inventory to just seven days has really helped me. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Yeah, I spend a lot of my free time daily scrolling Zillow, kind of planning these fantasy lives for myself that I will never have. Like, oh, yeah, like I'll do my laundry in this in-unit laundry machine here. Like, do you have any tips for first-time homebuyers who maybe are looking for a diamond in the rough or maybe are feeling overwhelmed about how to even get started in the process of ownership? Yeah, no, and it is a super overwhelming process. And like, it's frustrating to me that there aren't that many good resources out there and that it it seems, you know, challenging to tackle. I guess I would say like not to be afraid to have a conversation with an agent or a lender, because at the end of the day, like their job is to educate clients and walk you through the process. When I went through the process myself, um, I have my real estate license. So it's like, I got kind of knew what I was doing because of that. But really, it's not as overwhelming as you think once you really break down the steps and really understand sort of the contracting process, what sort of contingencies you have in place to protect you, which 
Now, you know, that wasn't really an option a year ago because things were so competitive and everyone was waiving contingencies like crazy. But right now it's less competitive and you have the opportunity to put those contingencies in. So as a first time home buyer who might be nervous, this might be a more attractive time to buy. Because I remember you know, I had a friend, he was one of my first friends that bought property and he was told me, you know, just write an offer. And I was like, what do you mean just write an offer? Like, you can't just write an offer. And he's like, sure you can. You can just write an offer. And if you put a contingency in, like you can back out. And I was like, what? And so I think that uh, being as educated as you can about the process and realizing that there are a lot of, you know, loopholes and ways to get in a deal and out a deal, it makes it a little bit less overwhelming. Yeah. Oh my God. Nothing kickstarts you in your ownership process than that first grown up friend who buys. And then you, then it's like you start looking and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe I can do this. It's a real kick in the pants. Yes, it is. It is. And also to your point though, of like always scrolling and looking for the next thing, I'm so guilty of that as well. And that's been a really hard thing for me to balance of like being really present and enjoying my space and, you know, thinking about, okay, five years ago, I would have never dreamt of being in a space like this. And so I really need to be grateful and be in the moment, but it's so hard to always, you know, be on your phone and be like, oh, okay, I want the next thing, the next thing. It's a tough balancing act for sure. Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. So like, totally don't get so caught up in this imaginary life that you see on Zillow that you can't actually enjoy where you're actually at. Mm-hmm. Totally. You mentioned your frustration and the lack of, a, of accessible resources out there. Do mm-hmm. you include those kinds of resources on Exposed Brick? Yeah, I'm trying to make a more of a point of writing blog posts. It's just so funny. Like, I feel like writing a blog post is so, like, old school now. Like, I'm like, <laughs> is anyone going to read this if I write this? Um, I should probably be, like, talking on TikTok or something. But so I do have a section on my website, ExposedBrickDC.com. I have an actual blog outside of the Instagram um, and where I do have a page with resources where it's 17 questions you should ask a real estate agent or uh, like contingencies 101. I just did a post about assumable mortgages because that's been kind of a hot topic and I didn't know anything about them until very recently. What is it about real estate that drew you in? Like why is this something that you're passionate about? Yeah. So, I mean, I was definitely drawn into real estate just for the aesthetics and it's really like, I feel like it's a way for me to be creative. And I love just like looking at spaces and just like everyone else imagining myself there. And, you know, I've definitely spent way too much time on listings there where I just like plan the entire floor plan. I'm like, Oh, I would put this there, this Mm. there. And then I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And it was, and it's so fun to find interesting properties. And the whole reason I created the blog is because I wanted to share it. Because at first, when I was first real estate, realized my real estate addiction, I was sending listings to friends constantly, like friends that didn't even live in DC. And I was just like, can you believe this studio in DuPont's $1,400? Like, look how great it is. And they're like, why are you sending me this? So um, I'm glad that I have the blog and I have a little bit of an outlet to share the things that I like. But yeah, it's definitely the aesthetic, the architecture of DC. I just feel like there's so many unique spaces that are so fun to share. And I definitely like that side of it way more than the finances and doing the transactions and that sort of thing. But obviously that's an important part and a part that you have to know about too. Jamie Manning, founder of Exposed Brick. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys. This was fun. Appreciate it.
And before you go, here's some quick news. Mayor Muriel Bowser's top advisor, John Falcicchio, abruptly left D.C. government on Friday, and we might now know why. Two D.C. attorneys announced that their client, a city employee, is suing Falcicchio for sexual harassment. Bowser had previously launched an investigation into Falcicchio's departure. As her chief of staff and the deputy mayor for planning and economic development, Falcicchio oversaw D.C.'s comeback plan to revive downtown, as well as several other major city projects. His interim replacement is Lindsay Parker, who was the city's chief technology officer. We're digging into this story more because obviously it's a big one. Be sure to tune in Friday for the scoop. Meanwhile, Councilmember Vincent Gray has filed a discrimination charge against the D.C. Council, claiming he was shut out because of his age and health. The council removed Gray from his position as a committee chair in January, citing concerns about his health. D.C. Council Chairman Phil Mendelson says there is no basis to the allegations. And lastly, the two-way protected bike lane on 9th Street Northwest is finally complete. It's 1.5 miles long and connects U Street Corridor with Pennsylvania Avenue. At the same time, the city announced it's added 700 new e-bikes to the Capital Bike Share program. And that brings me to today's DC Life Hack. This one's on a timer. Anyone who wants to try one of those new e-bikes can enter promo code TRYCABBYBIKE to take $2 off an e-bike ride before the end of the month. Just enter the code in the rewards section of the Capital Bike Share or Lyft app. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed today's show, tell somebody who scrolls the Zillow app for fun. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.